Some people have intro music. Some people have intro themes. I have. I searched and searched and searched for something clever, something kind of sarcastic or dry-witted or deadpan to try and swing into this new episode with, but I got nothing. Sometimes I can, I can come up with topics and things I wanted to touch on, and like I just said, I got nothing. And the sound you're hearing at my back right now is the wind, because since it's warm out not outside now, I'm recording a lot of episodes outside. So this is live outside, so that's really, really cool. But like I said, I try to come up with something creative, something snarky, clever, sarcastic, funny, and I got nothing. You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. Sure, a lot of my jokes can make you think that. A lot of them can make you think you, go, make you, think you can go there, or I'm going there. But <laughs> thank you, Tim. And if anyone knows the reference I'm making there, Buzz Lightyear. And I don't need to say the movie as soon as I said Buzz Lightyear. You know exactly what I'm referring to. But always, always remember, like Buzz says, what you never want to do. How dare you open a spaceman's helmet on an uncharted planet? My eyeballs could have been sucked from their sockets. And one of my favorite parts of that movie of the whole saga is a couple of weeks ago the whole time we were on the cruise I wondered because I know it's been around for a long long time and I know Holland America has a long long luxurious history behind it but I tried to dig up, and I tried to wonder, and I wondered, what is Holland America's history? What is that like, and what is it? And I wanted to do a fantastic crossover here. I know cruises aren't my thing, and that's not what I touch on, but I wanted to dig into Holland America's history, and I was very interested in that. It's really, really interesting. So I tried to go onto Wikipedia and on Holland America's own site, and... The one thing I've dug up, and the one thing that's always, it goes along with other, with Alaska Airlines specifically. One thing that kind of strikes me as kind of quite odd, it's Holland America has something in common with Alaska Airlines. Neither of them are based in their namesake. So, it's, and I, that, just, that just tickles me. That strikes me as funny. Alaska is based here in Seattle. Alaska Airlines. I know you're going, huh? And I looked up online, Holland America Headquarters, that's also here in Seattle. Huh? Right? Because you, you hear Holland America, you think it's, it's a Dutch company. You expect they're based in Holland. That's where you expect. Like Alaska Airlines, you expect they're somewhere, I don't know, in Ketchikan or Skagway or Juneau. 
Anchorage, Sitka. You expect that that's where that's where they're based. They're not. Now that's that all strikes me as that's quite interesting. So that kind of strikes me as funny. But I, so I looked up Holland America and I want to learn more about their history and dig more into it. So this is what this is some of the stuff I was able to dig into. Holland America well, was founded. Oh, that's why the ship is called that. It was founded in Rotterdam, Netherlands. And from 1873 to, eight, to 1989, it operated as a Dutch shipping line. A passenger line, a cargo line, and a cruise line, operating primarily between the Netherlands and North America. As part of the company's legacy, it was directly involved in the transport of many hundreds of thousands of emigrants from the Netherlands to North America. Holland America has been a subsidiary of Carnival since 1989. Holland, well, yeah, as I just said, Holland America was found in, founded in 1873 as the Nether, Netherland, Netherlandish, sorry, Netherland, Netherlands, C-H-E at the end. American, C-H-E at the end. The Dutch American Steamship Company, that's the See, I was trying to pronounce and butcher. I was trying to pronounce and butcher the Dutch language. So, apologies to all my Dutch listeners. That's what happens when you get an American who's trying to, an English speaker who's trying to butcher, well, not trying to butcher, who's trying to pronounce languages he can't pronounce. <laughs> so, my apologies. In short, Holland America Lijn, or L I J N, a shipping and passenger line. It was headquartered in Rotterdam. It was headquartered in Rotterdam in the building which is now the Hotel New York. It provided service from its European base to the Americas over the North Atlantic. The North Atlantic, yes, the route that the Titanic went. And Holland America was around, as you know the dates. Holland America was around during Titanic. That's, and we just went up to Alaska, as, as you heard from episode 204, which was live aboard the Koenigsdom. Um, you know how hard it was to go around that ship and not run to the front of the ship and go, I'm the king of the world, and make all the Titanic jokes, which I'm sure traveling that route, not just Holland America, but all the cruise lines have heard quite more times than, they, than they're willing to admit. The wind just got, attacked my back there. The company was formed as a result of the reorganization of an earlier company, Plate, which Rushlin and Company. The company's first ship was the original Rotterdam in 1872, which sailed its 15-day main voyage, maiden voyage from the Netherlands to New York City on October 15, 1872. Other services were started to, the, to other New World ports, including Hoboken, Baltimore, South America, and South America. Cargo service to New York started in 1809. And I just lost page. I, I'll see. I love when the page jumps, and you can make you lose completely lose your space in your, on the page you're reading and the notes you're reading. It completely jumps and screws everything up. During the first 25 years, the company carried 400,000 people from Europe to the Americas, other and other North American ports. Then those other North American ports were added during the early 20th century. Through transportation and ship, though transportation and shipping were the primary source of revenue, in 1895, 
HAL, H-A-L, abbreviated H-A-L. HAL offered its first vacation cruise. Its second vacation cruise from New York to Palestine was offered first officered in off and officered. <laughs> Slip of the tongue there. Isn't that funny when you record things live and you just screw up your words, you kind of got to roll with it? The first vacation, its second vacation cruise from New York to Palestine was first offered in 1910. One noticeable ship was the elegant 36,000 gross registered ton SS, which there are no, which exists now. Well, not the ship, but its namesake exists. The SS New Amsterdam of 1937. It and the RMS Queen Mary being the only two liners built in the 1930s to make a profit. At the start of World War of the Second World War, Hal had 25 ships. Nine remained at war's end. At the beginning of the war, the Western Land, acquired from the Red Star Line in 1939, burst at Falmouth, England, became the seat and became the seat of the Dutch government. The New Amsterdam sailed half a million miles, transporting 400,000 military personnel. After the war, the shipping line was instrumental in transporting a massive wave of immigrants from the Netherlands to Canada and elsewhere. Another notable ship during the post-war period was the SS Rotterdam of 1959. Ah, the year Alaska entered the, entered the, entered the country as the 49th state. What's the 50th? Well, everyone knows the 50th state because there's a TV show about it. Hawaii Five-0. So... <laughs> By the late 1960s, the golden era of transatlantic passenger ships had been ended by the introduction of a transatlantic jet air travel. HAL ended transatlantic service during the early 1970s, leaving the North Atlantic passenger trade specifically for Cunard's Queen Elizabeth II. In 1973, it sold its cargo shipping division, which continued to operate freight freight continued to operate freightliner services with freighters. A lighter aboard, aboard ship and then container ships under the trade name of Encontrans with headquarters in Rotterdam with some of its North American service operated in partnership with the French shipping line. It ceased operating as a Dutch line in 1989 when it was purchased by Carnival for 1.2 billion guilders. This, there's no translation that I got in my notes or that I'm able to see here as I'm reviewing my notes and articles that my notes say to refer to. No translation for actual dollar values. I did find one that says pounds. 530 million pounds. That was the translation of 1.2 billion guilders. The proceeds were put into an investment company PAL Investments, the majority of which is owned by the Van, by the Van der Vorm family. Here's some, here's some, here's some ships. A lot of, a lot of ships. Okay, there's there was a lot of list of ships. There's a lot of ships here. I'm gonna list, I'll mention some of them. The Konigsdam, which we were on, the SS Stottendam, the third one. Um, to have that name, 1929 to 1940, scrapped after being set on fire to avoid capture at Rotterdam. The SS Stottendam, 
the SS Mostam. There's two of them, the SS Mostam 3 and the SS Mostam 4. They Koenigsdam, the Rotterdam, all the, these names keep cropping up and the notes are not being specific as to which one it's referring to. In 1989, the Holland America line was purchased by Carnival, thus becoming an American-owned cruise line headquartered in, like you heard at the beginning, Seattle. In the summer of 2011, Waterdam did two transatlantic crossings, the first traditional transatlantic, transatlantic runs made by the line in more than 40 years. Beginning in September 2012, Rotterdam was based year-round out of Rotterdam, sailing to Europe, the Caribbean, as well as to Alaska, before returning to a more varied itineraries and home ports by 2016. Amsterdam means, means grand voyages, lasting more than 60 days, including a grand circle of the Pacific Ocean each fall, and a world voyage sailing around the world, usually ranging from January to April slash May. See, that no one could get that much time off of work. I would get that. But I would like to do a grand voyage. That would be freaking cool. Now, at one point, I would ask anyone, because I get that. I would get that way even after seven days. But at one point during a grand voyage, where you start to get tipsy. And I don't mean drunk tipsy. I mean it's like tipsy, because you're liable to hit rough waters, and the boat will probably sway. So at some point, that's going to make you nuts. But, hey, I would like to do a grand voyage. That would be freaking cool. The, the line currently operates five different classes of ships. The smaller and older S-Class vessels, the slightly newer and larger R-Class, the Vista Class, the Signature Class, and the newest and largest, which I was on, which the Koenigsdam is the first one of, the Pinnacle Class. And to my understanding of the Pinnacle Class, is the Koenigsdam, the Rotterdam, and the New Amsterdam. Now, that's that's the as I know it. There may be more, or I may have gotten some of those names a little wrong, but that's as I understand it. Holland America also owns the following: the Westmark Hotel chain operating in Alaska and the Yukon. Half Moon K, a private Caribbean island known officially as Little San Salvador Island and most Caribbean cruises spending a day there. I totally didn't know that, but that makes sense. I totally get that they would own Half Moon K. Now, see, I've seen a lot of it. I've seen a lot of abbreviations of K-C-A-Y, and I've heard a lot of debate whether that's pronounced K or Key. I've heard it pronounced both, and I've read it on Google. It says it's, K, it's Key. So, however you want to pronounce it. So, on October 26, 2012, it was announced that a memorandum of agreement that had been signed with Italian shipbuilder fin, Fincantieri for the construction of a 2,660-passenger ship for Holland America, scheduled for delivery in spring of 2016, which is the ship we were on, the Koenigsdown. It became a new class of vessels for the line, the Pinnacle Class, and the first new Holland America ship since the new, new Amsterdam delivered in 20, 2010. Also noted was, the, was that the addition of new ships 
would maintain passenger capacity if some of the older Carnival Corporation's ships are sold. The Holland America Group of Hal and Princess The Holland America Group of Hal and Princess Cruises that I didn't know have a letter of understanding to buy the Yukon White Pass Railways from Skagway to the US Canadian border. The purchase closed as it's currently existing. We all seen that, and we all know that. It closed on July 30th, 2018. On July 15th, 2020, it was announced by Holland America that the Mostam, Veendam, Rotterdam, and Amsterdam were sold to two undisclosed buyers. The ships were sold in pairs, with the Mostam and Veendam transferring to one company in August 2020, while the Amsterdam and Rotterdam moved to another company in the fall of 2020. One pair went to a new cruise brand with the other to an existing brand. Most cruise lines suspended their sailings because of the COVID-19 pandemic. There's a lot There's a lot on Holland America. A lot of things that I was able to find and that that is a little bit from that I was able to dig, to dig up on on the history and Hopefully that hopefully that was able to get some hopefully we were able to get some situation, get some question answered. And that was just very, very interesting. Now the one thing that I said on the ship when we were on the cruise, and the one thing that I would like to do is I would like to take a transatlantic cruise. And I know they've existed and I forget the ships that have done it. And if anyone can think of the names of the ships that have done it, please please uh, post it in the podcast Facebook community, Uncti Fiasco, and also email the podcast and let us know. Uh, UncttiFiasco at gmail.com. Let us know. The, uh, the, and I just, now that I'm saying that, I just forgot what I was going to say. Um, I know there are ships, there it is. I know the ships, there are ships that did the transatlantic crossing, the path that the Titanic did. Um, I know the ships that have done it. I forget what lines have done it, but that's something that I would like to do. And being at sea for that long, sure, whatever, I don't care. But I would like to pass over the spot where, over from where the ship will be at the time, where over 10 miles, over 10 miles, yeah, 10 miles, (laughs) over two miles below you lies the Titanic. That would be so freaking cool. Not a replica. The actual ship lies two miles below you. That is that is cool. That is really cool. There's there's uh, a little there, there's just something there's something and I've been to the Titanic exhibit that's at the Luxor in Vegas and I've seen a lot of the, just a lot of it is, is I've been to the exhibit, and it's interesting to see the history of the ship, and the history of what the ship was, and what it became, and it's interesting to learn about the, uh, just interesting, interesting to learn, I'll learn a lot about the cruise lines, I tried to look up why is it called, well, 
There's, there was, I looked up something that popped, I didn't try to look up. I tried to look up a lot of things, like how the ships were built, and that kind of, the, the whole thing. And a lot, one thing that popped up is, why is it called Holland America? No, I didn't need to read that, because I knew the answer to that. Just when you, you hear the question, you kind of know the answer to it, because that's where it serves. That makes sense. Um, the one, like I said in episode 204, Holland America is very... The customer service is very good. There are parts of it that, as is every cruise line, can use some improvement. Every cruise line can, there's things that they could do better. Every, that's, that's always the case. And it always happens. There, there's things that they could do better. And there's things that, that they're, there's things that they're not good at. There's things that they're, they're, because they focus so much on, on music. I'm trying to, I'm trying to look something up up here, and as I'm typing it, I'm spelling every word wrong. Every, I'm trying to spell a word, and every time I type it, every letter, every letter, I'm misspelling. Every, that, isn't, the, isn't that the way when you're doing something else and you're trying to type at the same time just so you can get two things done at once? You screw it. You screw it all up. It, that's just the way it is. And speaking of, and while I just touched a little bit on Holland America's, Holland America's parent, Holland, Holland America history there, try to touch a little bit on Holland America's parent. Now, I know they call it the fun ships of I've been on Carnival, the Carnival Legend. Um, I've the Holland America was my third cruise. Disney, Carnival, and Holland America are the lines that I've done. Um, I would you can go back to two hundred four to see see how I would rate them. Um, but I've also <clears throat> I've wondered about also a little bit about a little bit about the. About its parent companies, Carnival was founded in 1972 by Ted Arison to finance the to finance the venture. Arison turned to his friend, who owned Boston-based American International Travel Services, Boston-based International American International Travel Services. God, sorry for that, guys. I totally butchered that word as I was reading it. Arison and his friend set up a new company as a subsidiary of American International Travel Services. It was to market and promote the new venture. In 1974, due to regulatory issues, uh, Arison's friend sold, sold his interest in the company to Arison for, for one dollar. For one dollar. But subject to Arison taking over the substantial, com- but subject to Arison taking over the substantial company debts, the split enabled Arison to enter into new relationships with independent travel agents. He also promoted his cruise, but to fun-loving younger people. The format was very successful financially. Carnival Cruise Line commenced sailings from Miami with their first ship, the Mardi Gras. In 1972, a former transatlantic, part, transatlantic liner purchased from Canadian Pacific Line. 
Carnival would adapt to and evolve the green Canadian Pacific livery for their, for their new logo, changing the colors to red, white, and blue as we see today. We also, as we also see today. You can tell, you can usually define a cruise ship or pick out a cruise ship or tell a cruise ship by looking at the hull. You know, by looking at the side of the ship. Not so with Carnival. You just look at the top of the ship and you see that you see that whale tail. That's just that's Carnival. When we were in Alaska, we uh, the Carnival Miracle followed us around the different ports. Had a lot of the same ports. Had a lot of different ports, but had a lot of the same ports that we had. So the Carnival Miracle also followed us around. In 1975, Car. Carnival acquired another former Canadian Pacific Line ship, renaming it the Carnivale. The success of the two ships led to the acquisition of the third ship in 1978, the TSS Festivale, another former ocean liner. With the success of the three ships, Carnival decided to build new ships to be able to compete with the rival, with their rival, Miami Cruise Liners. In 1982, Carnival introduced their first purpose-built ship, the Tropicale. This was their first ship on which the, the iconic winged funnel, the whale tail, was introduced, which has since been used on all ships in the fleet. It was designed by Joe Farkas, who would become a long-time Carnival Cruise Line designer. In 1984, Carnival would introduce a new television marketing campaign during this time, starring Kathy Lee, who continues to be a longtime collaborator with Carnival. Following the success of the Tropicale and increased in comp- competition in Miami with newer ships, Carnival ordered the Holiday in 1985, followed by the Jubilee in 1986 and the Celebration in 1987. But beginning in 1990, Carnival introduced the popular fantasy class beginning with the fantasy and, com- and completed with the eighth in the class, the Paradise, in 1998. When completed, the fantasy was one of the largest ships at the time and had the largest atrium at sea. After having done design work on all the previous Carnival ships, Joe Farkas continued as the lead designer for the entire class. In 1993, Carnival began to get rid of their older second-hand tonnage and sold their first ship, the Mardi Gras, after 21 years of service with the line. 21 years of service with the line. The Carnivale followed the same year, going to going to newly created Carnival subsidiary Fiesta Marina Cruises. Why is it that every time I look at a word, I can just zip it right out? But like I was saying earlier in the podcast Facebook community in another episode, I can zip a word out every time I just look at it. But when I try to record, all pronunciation just shoots right out the window. Can't do it. <laughs> just the way it is. You get tongue-tied a lot. In 1996, the new Destiny class was introduced with the Carnival Destiny. At, 1, 000, at 101,000 gross tons, it became the largest passenger ship in the world at the time and was first to exceed 100,000 tons. Now I ask you, to reference Kimbra here, what's uh, Kimbra and anyone else, for that matter, 
and Matt, too. What's so gross about the tons? You know, 101, 101,000 gross tons. What's so gross about the tons? <laughs> became the fr- you know, that's how you know how bad a joke is when it makes you chuckle. <laughs> the Destiny class platform continued to be used in various iterations, all the way to the Carnival Splendor in 2008. The same year the Veteran Ship Festivale, the last of the original second-hand fleet, was retired. In 1998, the seventh ship in the Fantasy class, the Elation, was the first cruise ship to have the innovative Azapod propulsion used on most cruise ships today. The Paradise also debuted in 1998 and was the first completely non-smoking cruise when it originally debuted. In 2001, the new Panamax-sized Spirit class debuted with the Carnival Spirit, the first of the four-ship class within the first of the four ship class within the carnival fleet. I read that a second ago and I went, I'm sure that's not right, but apparently it is. In 2001, Robert H. Dickinson, then president and CTC, participated in a BBC documentary, Back to the Floor. Dickinson went to work at the lowest crew levels on the imagination in the Caribbean, where he showed a a Romanian cleaner where he shadowed a Romanian cleaner, and I just lost my place, Alina. In October 2002, Carnival acquired P&O, Cruise, P&O Princess Cruises for 3.5 billion euro. There, as you can hear in the background now, there are people bringing stuff outside, so I'm trying to talk over this so you don't hear, so you just hear me and not them. So, in 2001, Carnival transferred their first... Their first new build, the 1982-built Tropicale to Costa Cruises. Ah, uh, Costa Cruises. I know they've done many a glorious thing, but anytime you hear the name Costa Cruises, anyone, you always think of, hopefully not like me, you always think of the Costa Concordia. So, but I guess certain things, when I, that's what comes to mind. And I apologize for that. Certain things that comes that that occur in history stick out to you in your head, jump out the most to you in your head. Like whenever I think of cruises, a cruise ship, the Titanic always jumps out. It's the most it's the most famous ship to ever set sail on the ocean. And that's kind of you know no no some people also hopefully remember the Lusitania and the Mauritania and other ships like that. But you hear about cruising, and one of the first things you think of, everyone knows, is the Titanic the most famous name on the water. Everyone knows that. Actually, that's not true. I'm the most famous name on the water. <laughs> so, throughout, through the rest of the decade, the line would continue to sell or transfer the other or transfer the other 1980s built ships to other lines with the Jubilee in 2004, <clears throat> Celebration in 2008, and the Holiday in 2009. Sorry about that. There are frogs that are just leaping around in my throat. So I know you like, like I said. There's people. Well, there's people coming around me, and hopefully I'm talking over them so no one hears them. But we're gonna go for it. We're gonna. I'm gonna do my best to talk over them. In 2009, Carnival released their biggest ship at the time, the Carnival Dream, 
a new 128,000 gross ton ship. Carnival Dream entered service on the September 21, 2009. After several voyages in the Mediterranean, she was sent she was sent to offer weekly Caribbean cruises from Port Canaveral uh, from December 5, 2009. A sister ship, the Carnival Magic, debuted on May 1, 2011. On December 1, 2009, it was announced that, that Carnival had placed an order for a third Dream-class vessel. It entered service in June, 20, in, in June 2012, and its home port is now Galveston. On May 10, 2010, Carnival selected a name for their new Dream-class vessel in 2010, in 2012, the Carnival Breeze. So, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting info that I was that I was able to dig up, and a lot of kind of stuff that's really entertaining and really really cool, really really cool. So I apologize for the things that I've that I've missed or kind of things that seem kind of weird. And I apologize for the sound quality because, like I said, I'm outside and I'm recording this outside. So my apologies there. And thank you all so much for sticking around. Stick around for a little bit more in the end here. Want to check out the best podcast and best YouTube channel out there? True, true friends of this podcast? Check out Fantastic Cruising over on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcasting devices and services. Give them a five-star review. Head on over to YouTube. Look up Fantastic Studios. Give them a five-star review and give them comments. They'll love that to death. They are the greatest podcast out there. Give them a shout-out. Want to check out the best travel vlogger and videos anywhere? Go to Atlantic City, Disney, Six Flags, all along the Atlantic City boardwalk, and go to Vegas. Check out the New York channel. N-U-Y-A-W-K on YouTube. You will be thoroughly impressed and thoroughly entertained. You will love every second of what you're seeing. Go to YouTube and check out N-U-Y-A-W-K. You'll love what you're seeing. You'll enjoy every second of it. Want to check out the environment, the climate, the planet, and everything we can do to have an impact on it? Check out City Climate Corner on all the podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on everything. You won't be disappointed. You'll enjoy and love what you're listening to.